You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to bonus episode number three of the DCAU Review. I'm your host, Cal, and with me is my good brother and my good friend, Liam. Number three bonus episode that we're debuting today of the DCAU Review, only it has nothing to do with the DCAU or or A at all. There's no animation here. Yeah, this is the... Well, the A could stand for Arrowverse, I guess. Ooh, you see, you see, this is this is why we're brothers, and this is why it's we do this effort. podcast together. Love it, love it. So it's the DC Arrowverse universe. <laughs> I mean, you is kind of uh, redundant in that, in, that, sure. in that sentence, I suppose. But hey, that is, if, if you can't figure out what we're talking about, we are in fact talking about, um, as you mentioned, this is our third bonus episode, and so far... All of our bonus episodes have been us listing things. And hey, they're popular. They're... We, we like doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's fun, and uh, quite frankly, it's easy content. So we, uh, so we wanted to do, obviously, big news. If you're listening to this, you're probably aware. Uh, the final two parts of Crisis on Infinite Earths, the giant five-part CW superhero extravaganza, is airing this week on a Tuesday evening. And we thought it would be fun to do a bonus episode because we're not just fans of the DC animated universe. We're fans of pretty much everything related to DC comics, including all of these various Arrowverse shows. Be that Arrow itself, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl, Batwoman, Constantine, technically. technically probably right. the animated things. All of them. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of, yeah, these, this Arrowverse has a lot of uh, tentacles that reach out and... Uh, especially with this Crisis on Infinite Earth special that uh, the first three parts aired in December. And like we said, the last two parts are coming up here. So we thought, what better time than now to, uh, to give the listeners a taste of some of our favorite moments uh, from the history of the Arrowverse? There we go. Well, I mean, before we jump into that, I you know just a brief stroll down memory lane as we'd like to just inject our own thoughts and feelings. I remember when they first announced that they were going to do an Arrow television show this is right off the heels of smallville ending of course liam um listeners probably know based on just you know minor comments here or there or if they follow us at uh, at dca review on twitter uh, which is the page that you run for us uh, you're a big smallville guy and uh yes. the end of smallville uh, the last couple seasons of Smallville, they did a lot of cool things. They really opened up the world. They had that old JSA crossover. They had mm-hmm. uh, they sort of sort of bent their own rule of no flights, no tights with with Superman <laughs> by the end of the of the series. Uh, but you know, you you even had the introduction of the Green Arrow uh, as an ally in the sort of pseudo mini Justice League that was created for that version of Clark Kent. Uh, so when they announced the series that they were going to do a spinoff or w- what I thought was going to be a spinoff, it's like, Oh, they're going to do an arrow. And then, Oh, they cast somebody else's arrow. It's not the dude from the soap operas that right. it just is. Right. It's this, this guy, Stephen Amell. Like what, who is this guy? What is it going to be? Right. And, and I mean, looking back now, Stephen Amell is is the Green Arrow. He is Arrow. Um, yeah. He is Oliver Queen. And uh, you know he, he's a not only is he is he 
is he that character? He's a good person and and a cool guy overall. Um, so it just a, a launching point from that, and of course, uh, shortly thereafter, a couple seasons in, they introduced Barry Allen as sort of a backdoor uh, backdoor pilot in one of the the episodes for of Arrow, and then launched the Flash shortly thereafter, and then after that, uh, they launched was it Legends? I guess that came after that. Yeah. Legends was followed, and then Supergirl was on CBS, and there was speculation as to whether or not it would be tied into the whole Arrowverse. People started calling it the Arrowverse, so it had its own sort of you know unique name. <laughs> then then you there were rumblings that the Constantine show, after being canceled on NBC, they were going to bring him back. So they they've really done an incredible job of creating their own mini for the small screen. DC universe that that really you know as far as I'm concerned Marvel Marvel certainly has dominated the box office and the big screen but but DC really owns the small screen when it comes to their heroes and and I've really appreciated watching their their universe grow and see what they've had and and that's even with some restrictions not even really having Batman and not really having Superman around a whole whole lot yeah absolutely um Early on, there's uh, there was kind of a, a mandate of who they could and couldn't use. Even some of the characters that would show up on uh, some of the early seasons of Arrows, they were kind of allowed to use them for a while, and then uh, they were taken away from them later on. And then they were, you know, it's 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 kind of I think a lot of that stuff is up in the air with it's depending on what DC or Warner Brothers wants to do with those with their live action movies. That's that I think makes it hard for for the TV. So that. A lot of moving parts, a lot of right, a lot of characters who maybe would be cool or who would make sense to show up in a certain story, but who they're not allowed to use due to them being tied up in in some other project. But I mean, talk about making making the best, and and, and then as as we mentioned, as this this giant crisis event, all of the various crossovers over the years that they've done between the shows, they've really created this this incredible giant uh, web of of great shows and incredible characters. And of course, you know, the, if you're listening to this, you're probably well aware that this Crisis on Infinite Earths is also this ends up being the series finale or uh, of Arrow. Like this is bringing this is the final season of Arrow this year, so this is bringing yeah. to an end uh, the original, the the longest running of all of those shows. And um, you know, it's I'm sure that Stephen Amell will be back at some point in, in different various cameos. But and we can get we'll get into what where he might pop up or show up, and I'm sure we'll know after this week if that is a possibility of him coming back and starring. But it's it's really an end of an era for for that show in and of itself. So what better way to do that than with one of these lists to celebrate some of the top moments uh, in this Arrowverse? Uh, going forward but uh before we get into the actual list liam we had we were sitting together and just talking trying to come up with some ideas and we had so many we couldn't even squeeze all of them into uh, a, a <laughs> list of 10 um so why don't we talk about some of the ones that didn't didn't quite make the cut but were still worth mentioning yeah there's a lot of great stuff and and some of these maybe don't qualify as a technical moment but things like uh on Supergirl, they've really explored a lot of uh, the Martian Manhunter, Jean Jones' past, and they've brought in characters to play his his father. And uh, Miss Martian appeared on the show. A lot of the different characters from his uh, his uh, his uh, his cast of characters got to show up, including uh, one Martian played by Mr. Phil Lamar. And which, uh, 
super cool. And uh, and in fact, Jean's father on the show is played by one Carl Lumbly, who uh, might might happen to be my favorite Martian. If you if if you put a gun to my you're head, my favorite Martian. <laughs> yes, Carl Lumbly is my favorite Martian. I think I can say that safely. And uh, they they yeah. So a lot. I really have loved. I'm I'm not as familiar with Supergirl as uh, say Arrow or the Flash, but uh, I have quite enjoyed watching them sort of explore the 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 weirder side some of the more interesting sides of that martian manhunter character and and supergirl from 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 the episodes that i've seen and again i'm I'm with you on that i haven't seen a whole bunch of it um certainly more of the of the of the superman of the uh, arrow and and flash episodes and, and legends but supergirl mirrors the tone of flash the flash a lot because it's a it's a lighter character she yeah. she mirrors him very well and being a, a bright optimistic um she i mean it's very superman-esque it's that optimism eternal optimism that is you know she's bright and sees the best in things and sees the best in people and uh, the cool thing about supergirl like you said is because it was its own world within the multiverse it really set up uh, a lot of exploration for for them to have fun, and at the t- when they started, they had a bigger budget being on a major network, so they had yeah. some some other options to do some space stuff, and and certainly bringing in characters like Martian Manhunter, Brainiac Five, and uh, you know the, the some of the other characters that they've been able to bring in, you know, even even now having Lux Luthor on there um, mm-hmm. is is and, and their own version of Superman has been has been really cool. Absolutely, absolutely, and some of the other mentions are characters that we maybe never thought we'd get to see on a live action anything much less a television show but characters like king shark or gorilla grod showing up on the flash and and being the central focus they didn't hide away from them or or try to change them to be like a guy who has the nickname king shark like might have happened if the show was on in the 90s right Uh, and no it's just a big giant shark man and a Gorilla with tel- tele- telepathy is uh, some of the main villains that uh, that Barry Allen has fought over the the seasons here on the Flash. They even did an episode uh, last season where King Shark and Gorilla Grodd fought each other. So it's just wild to think about. If imagine telling you know your your ten year old self or your twelve year old self that uh, one day you'll get to see a live action TV show where uh, Gorilla Grodd and King Shark will fight each other and the Flash will be running around. Uh, yeah and the thing the thing about the introduction of those two characters especially is that they they get that it's that it's goofy like these are characters that were created for comic books not necessarily ever with a thought in mind that they would ever have a need or desire or an interest in having these as live action characters so the fact that they're taking the they took the ridiculousness of a a gorilla that uses, you know, telepathy or a, you know, a, a man shark <laughs> and made it, right. you know, they poke fun at themselves a little bit in it, but it's not poking fun at the audience in a way that I feel that sometimes um, Marvel movies are, are guilty of. And I'm not here to, to crap on Marvel movies. I, <laughs> I enjoy Marvel. I enjoy Marvel movies enough. Um, but there's, there's a certain, there's a certain point of where you can, poke fun of and make you know have fun with what's going on with where it doesn't insult the viewer for 
enjoying it. And I think there have been several times in in various Marvel movies where it's almost insulting to the viewer. Uh, you know, so whereas in these cases, these these characters are are maybe looked at with a little bit of a wink towards the the audience. But at the end of the day, they're taken as serious threats and serious villains, and you're not you're not made fun of for enjoying it. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's really important. And some of those other great, cool things you mentioned, Cal, uh, how, uh, you know, we didn't really get to talk about Superman or Batman. Certainly, obviously, as you said, Superman eventually shows up in Supergirl in sort of a limited uh, guest starring role. But uh, when we first got a mention of Bruce Wayne uh, back in the sixth season of Arrow as a photo of Oliver Queen in the Green Arrow shoot uh, suit becomes sort of public uh, domain and it ends up on the internet and Oliver's sort of trying to throw the, throw the scent off the trail. He uh, happens to name drop uh, Bruce Wayne and mention that uh, mentioned Gotham city for the first time in the Arrowverse. And sure enough, uh, a couple years later during the Elseworlds crossover, we in fact had the debut of Bruce Wayne's cousin and uh, several of his rogues gallery and, lots of references to Gotham and and now Batwoman has her own show on the CW. So getting to finally play with all of those Gotham characters, even though the Batman himself has not yet shown up. Well, not technically anyway. Sure. And, uh, uh, is it's still cool to have Gotham. It's the DC comics world doesn't feel complete. If those, there isn't some sort of representative from Gotham city when, uh, when all these big crossovers come around. Absolutely, and the the very first time I I remember the the day after that that episode premiered, and just seeing how many people online, different articles, and were just so people were so excited. They're like, "Oh my gosh!" They they said Bruce Wayne, like they were able <laughs> to mention. And we we sort of alluded to it that there's all these sort of you know shadowy rules that we're not sure about on who, what characters are allowed to be on TV at what time because Warner Brothers doesn't like to mix their television properties with their with the, whatever they feel like it could be a movie property for some reason but um, you know it the fact that fans were given hope that this Arrowverse which so many of so so much of the original couple seasons of Arrow involved mm-hmm. characters or themes or it seemed to be, you know, the character of Oliver Queen was really based off of, hey, this is a Batman show if we could do a Batman show, but we can't. <laughs> so we're going to do we're going to do Arrow instead. You know, we're going to a, gonna... a lot of that first season, especially is very Batman begins the with the yep. flashbacks, which obviously continued all the way through the fifth season of how he comes to be. Uh, where who he is when we kind of meet him in present day and all the the trials and tribulations he went through to become the the arrow before we ever really met him is sort of expanded on so yeah there's always been a little bit of batman in the dna of of certainly of arrow and really of all the shows i think absolutely well going from batman we so we talked about batman um, now we we already had one one name drop for Smallville, and certainly that being the predecessor to to Arrow here. But um, how how extremely excited did you get? <laughs> and remember, we got to keep this G as rated G as possible. Did you right. get uh, during last year's Elseworlds crossover when they they flashed to uh, I guess it's I guess it's Supergirl's world, 
and uh, yeah. there's a farm. There's a you know there's a familiar farm uh, in Kansas with with the wheat in the barn, and uh, playing in the background is is the theme song. Uh, Remy Zero's "Save Me" uh, mm. comes powering through, um, and and of course this is before there's been sort of any any rumblings that there might be any. Uh, actual participation from Tom Welling or uh, any of the original Smallville cast uh, in in a crossover, but this is the first little hint that they kind of gave you that something might be in the in the can. Yeah, this was a it was an incredible moment because you kind of always have have held out hopes, and once they started introducing the idea of alternate Earths, we'd you know by this point in the series we'd seen Earth Two, we'd seen Supergirl's Earth, we'd seen sort of different evil or, or strange worlds. So we had to kind of assume, hey, somewhere out in this multiverse, uh, you know, Smallville has to exist somewhere. And that little tease, it was something. And they, for for uh, Clark and Lois's, or for the Kent farm, they used the exact same farm that they used for Smallville for the, for the Supergirl version of the Kent farm. So it was literally the same set of the same uh, farm used on all those scenes in the barn and uh, on location in Smallville. And it was such a cool moment, and it, it really made you think, oh, what if, what if? And flash forward a year to the uh, first three parts of Crisis on Infinite Earths airing back in December of 2019. And uh, not only did we get, it was a little bit more than a cameo, in fact, as we had... Uh, Tom Welling and Erica Durant uh, reprising their roles as Clark and Lois in a in a scene where they get to where Clark gets to sort of uh, stand opposite the John Cryer Lex Luthor. Uh, speaking of uh, great cameos and things that we saw, uh, <laughs> we're a DCAU podcast. Kevin Conroy got to play Bruce Wayne in live action. Which is, Holy uh, cow! <laughs> it's, it was, it's, it's just one of those things where you thought you you would never really see it, and oh man, wouldn't it be cool if that happened one day? And there's so much you know, there's fan art, and pe- you know, people are so talented. They're like, oh, what if he played an an older sort of broken down Bruce Wayne, kind of like he played in Batman Beyond, and they sort of took it in a different direction. Obviously, if you've seen the episodes. He's not quite the the old man with the cane that we saw in in Batman Beyond in the cartoon, but he is very much uh, Kevin Conroy doing doing Batman in yep. in live action, and that is something I I know we especially as as hosts of a DCAU podcast will never forget. We also got some great cameos from from the Titans show, from the short lived live action Birds of Prey series, of course. John Wesley Shipp got to play not only the Jay Garrick Flash in the main Flash show, but he also got to play reprise his role as his version of Barry Allen from the 1990s Flash series. So just so many great cameos and and moments that uh, even that a Burt out Ward's cameo, a Burt Burt Absolutely. Ward as Dick Grayson, and you know as a, as an old 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 man. <laughs> Yes, it's uh, just unbelievable. There's so many, and that was all in about the you know all those all those rapid fire cameos and about the the first thirty seconds of part one of Crisis on Infinite Earths. But yeah, what a what a treat all of those extra words because again, you could have just made references to them. They had the reporter from the 1989 Michael Keaton Batman movie show up with that with that Danny Elfman theme uh, accompanying it. Just so many great little touches that they added in where. They didn't have to do that, but they clearly wanted to go the extra mile. And 
I think that speaks to to Mark Guggenheim and Greg Berlanti and some of the creators behind the shows that just shows how how great of fans they are that they it was one of the things where I think when if they thought if we'd geek out about this, everybody else will geek out about it too. So let's let's really go the extra mile for this. And it definitely paid off. I agree. And 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 one of the hallmarks I would say, you know, we're we're talking about the fact that they do fan service so well, which is not only is it, you know, the fan service that they're able to do, which is really hard because fans' expectations sometimes are a bit unrealistic. Um, you know, let's be honest. As fans, we can say <laughs> that. Um, but one of the things I feel like that they do really well is is the drama of the series. And uh, right just before we get into our list here, which is going to have some of those dramatic moments in it, you know, there's there's a lot of lot of dramatic moments uh, early on in those first in that first season of Arrow, including uh, the death of his best friend Tommy Merlin. Um, which yeah. takes place, you know, he's crushed under a building um, that in the Narrows that that gets, you know, that falls on top of him, and uh, you know, it's it's during an earthquake that was caused by Tommy's own father, right, right. So it's super messed up, right. <laughs> um, but you know, it, and that continues to sort of haunt Oliver throughout the next couple of seasons, and it's always a huge regret that he's had. Um, but you know, that, that drama piece that they're able to incorporate in there, that it is across every single series that they, that they've come, you know, come through with. There's drama that's happened in certainly a, a lot in the flash series, especially in the early on in the, in the first couple seasons, but, um, it's not just fan service. It's not just fun, uh, geeky moments there. They also have some real drama that's included in their, their programs too. Absolutely. They they take the source material seriously and for as great and heroic and epic as, uh, you know, for the heroes to rise up, they have to be knocked down first. And they're very good at uh, at making those more serious moments matter. Absolutely. All right, William. So what do you say we actually jump into our list here? Sounds good. And we are kicking it off again. These aren't necessarily an official 10 to 1, but we're going to start with number 10 here. And number 10 will be, we. I think we made a brief mention of him earlier, but uh, Constantine officially joining the Arrowverse is number 10 on our list in Arrow Season 4, Episode 5. As you mentioned, he had a, a short-lived uh, show on NBC that was kind of hidden away on Friday nights, and I, I don't think a lot of people got to see it. Certainly didn't have a chance to become any sort of, uh, you know, get get any traction and I think everyone who did watch that show had the same thought, which is what a shame that we wasted Matt Ryan in this 11 episode thing that people are never going to remember because, because what a great Constantine he was mm-hmm. and, and thank goodness, uh, thank <laughs> God that the Arrowverse existed and that they were able to bring Matt Ryan in as, as he debuted, as we mentioned in in a role where he, uh, he saves Sarah Lance's immortal soul after they resurrect her body in the Lazarus pit, just super comic booky plot. Yeah. And then from there he would, uh, he would return several times and even become a regular cast member on uh, legends of tomorrow in some of the later seasons. So uh, from, from a sort of an unfairly canceled hidden diamond in the rough to uh, being a major player in the universe. Uh, what a, what a great thing it is that Matt Ryan's Constantine got to live on. I agree. Yeah. And that's another one of those things that that immediately after the the Constantine show was announced, they were canceling it. And I, I 
what did you say it was like 11 episodes or 12 episodes or something something like that yeah i didn't even get to finish from what i remember it's full season and um you know and i watched a couple episodes of the constantine show and and while it wasn't necessarily lure that i was a huge fan of definitely not like a constantine comic guy it was entertaining enough where i and and certainly um you know, the Constantine character is an interesting enough character itself that, yeah, he deserved. You're like, at that point you hear it's being canceled. It's like, man, what if, what if they bring him into the Arrowverse fold? And, you know, there are these rumblings. Well, maybe, you know, he's interested in it and coming in, and but we don't know if his schedule is going to line up because now he's doing, you know, stage plays someplace. And, and then they finally announced that he's going to have a cameo, uh, on the program and when they announced they were able to finally get Matt Ryan in the fold and and bring him on to be to be Constantine and then like you said having him come back in later seasons and be a full-time full-time cast member and I know he did some some of the animated stuff for the CW app um, had his own little mini mini series it's it's really cool that that character and certainly his version of that character lived on well beyond the cancellation of that original show absolutely and moving on from here to number nine, this is kind of a double entry. We have a couple, uh, I guess you can call them ties. But uh, this one in particular, they're t- just two different moments that stood out to us from the very first episode of The Flash. Uh, the first is obviously Barry Allen. He's been struck by lightning. He's he's running faster than than anyone ever has. And he's he's so excited. And then he, he runs into adversity and kind of has this falling out with this doctor this mysterious dr wells who is responsible for for giving him and his powers in this strange particle accelerator explosion and so barry runs off to a familiar friend to to star city where he gets a, a pretty great pep talk from something tells me you didn't just run 600 miles to say hi to a friend all my life i've wanted to just do more be more and now I am, and the first chance I get to help someone, I screw up. What if Wells is right? What if I'm not a hero? What if I'm just some guy who was struck by lightning? I don't think that bolt of lightning struck you, Barry. I think it chose you. I'm just not sure I'm like you, Oliver. I don't know if I can be some vigilante. You can be better. Because you can inspire people in a way that I never could. Watching over your city like a guardian angel, making a difference, saving people in a flash. Take your own advice. Wear a mask. Yeah, it's it's uh, if there's anybody that's going to give you a good, good pep talk, um, it's it's your best friend. And uh, of, of course, it, the funny thing is, is 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 uh, Oliver sort of questions as to why he comes to him for all re- yeah. for, uh, of all people. And, uh, you know, the ironic thing, of course, is, is that Oliver says exactly what Barry needs to hear, because Barry has this this idea that a hero that he 
with these powers, he has to be a a hero like Oliver, a vigilante, somebody that's you know hiding in the shadows and is it is uh, doing his deeds in secret. And and Barry says, I mean, and Oliver tells Barry, no, you can be better. You can be better than me. And he tells him, he said, you know, Barry's questioning if if he's just a guy that got struck by lightning. And Oliver yeah. says, I, I don't think I don't think that lightning struck you. I think it chose you, which is so such a good line. And then he goes on to tell him, he's like, you know, you're going to be a, you can be a guardian angel over your city. You know, you can be, you know, that light. And that's that's the contrast that's that's used so well. And especially for that Barry Allen version of that character, ever since they brought him back. Uh, you know, in the comics and, you know, he has, he's this beacon of hope. He's this bright, eternal, optimistic light. And it con- contrasted so well with the Oliver Queen arrow in this, this Arrowverse who is constantly dark and brooding and, you know, very Batman like in his, in his, the, the way that he acts and sees the world and, you know, constantly dealing with the, the heaviness of everything. And, and Barry deals with a lot of heaviness also, but has that eternal optimism. And, and it's great that Oliver in this very first scene before he even puts on the, the flash costume and sort of gives him his name here, which is pretty awesome. He, he pulls out and points out, no, you're, you're going to be different than me. You're not a vigilante. You're a beacon of hope. You're a bright light, a guardian angel over your city. Yeah. It's, it's really quite perfect. And that sort of leads to the end of the episode is, as Barry is chasing down his first supervillain, the the original weather wizard. And of course there's a giant tornado. What does the flash do when there's a giant tornado? He's got to run around it. So, and in that moment, Dr. Wells realizing that Barry still needs a little bit more help, a little bit more of a pep talk tells him that he was wrong and that you are a hero. And he says uh, words that will get repeated throughout uh, (laughs) nearly seemingly every episode for the uh, the rest of the Flash's run, and that is, of course, run, Barry, run. Yep. And uh, yeah, it just it's that that whole Flash pilot does such a great job of setting up who Barry Allen is, what his his insecurities are, and wh- why he feels this need to be the hero. And then in a moment where he most needs it, as you mentioned, his his friend Oliver Queen, and then his sort of would-be mentor in Dr. Wells uh, give, give him the, the, the courage he needs, and he is, in fact, able to save the day. And, and again, a brief shout-out brief shout out to Tom. Off part. Yeah. yeah, brief shout-out to Tom Cavanaugh also. Oh, who, yeah. Who is, is maybe the – I mean, you have some great stage actors that have played parts on The Flash, so it's hard, hard to necessarily say that – He's the best actor on that show, but he's really, really good. And especially in that first season as that dual character that, you know, it's Harrison Wells. You're not sure what his motivation is. You, you know that there's something not on the up and up about him. And of course, later, you know, revealed to be Eobard Thorn, Thawne in in disguise. Um, but, uh, you know, and he's gone on to play different different incarnations of different multiverse versions yes. of of well the wells character but he's he's a he's a great actor and i'm so glad that he's on he that they kept him on that show even after him being revealed as as sort of like the the bad guy absolutely he's a just an un- incredible range and he really set the tone for uh for what the show would become moving on mm-hmm. from here to number eight 
uh, we've had some, as we talked about, there's some serious, dramatic, uh, heart-wrenching moments in the Arrowverse, and this is not one of those. This was <laughs> one of the silliest, most fun things that have ever happened. There's this, there's this uh, stuffed animal toy, sort of like a stand-in for a Tickle Me Elmo type thing in in the Arrowverse known as Bebo that uh, was introduced in the third season of Legends of Tomorrow is it's this toy it ends up getting sucked through a time warp back in time where whereupon a, a certain amount of Vikings begin to worship it as a god and uh, and clarity uh, <laughs> ensues from there but that all uh, it all be, uh, leads up to the finale of season three season three episode 18 where uh the the legends are standing together they're trying to basically band together and and create a a force of good magic that can that can fight this e- evil demon malice and wouldn't you know it the the image they pick for their champion of of goodness is in fact a giant uh real life bebo and then we get a giant winged demon Versus a giant stuffed animal, and they have a ridiculously awesome, silly uh, fight in the middle of this field. Yeah, um, if you were to if you were to to try and explain to somebody what Legends of Tomorrow was all about, uh, <laughs> I, I think it would be very very difficult because it's it is such an off the wall show, and and it's it's a show again. If it took itself too seriously, if this was a show that took itself seriously, I don't think it would be very good. Um, just because yeah. it's goofy. It's a show about time travel. But they've taken that concept of, okay, well, where are they this this week? Where is the team this week? What part of the world, you know, what part of history and what part of the world or or you know, are they gonna be in this week? And instead of just being very formulaic they have fun with it. They have a formula that works for them because there is that sort of, okay, where are they? But they don't take themselves seriously. They rotate the cast in and out. Um, you know, you've, you've had, uh, you know, some of the same core members of that cast, but the fact that you have a giant stuffed, this is your season <laughs> finale, yeah. mind you. And the season finale is having a giant stuffed animal, a giant Muppet, battle a giant cgi muppet battle a giant cgi demon uh through various forms of magic is is just incredible and uh you know brandon routh is maybe my my favorite person in the in the arrowverse i don't know i have a lot of favorites but the fact (laughs) that this guy got a second second life in in the dc universe after really not getting a fair shake at playing superman um you can tell he just has so much fun playing, you know, Adam and, and Ray Palmer. And, uh, you know, that, that honestly, this whole show, the great thing about it is you can just kind of pick any random episode to watch and you'll probably, you don't really need to know much about what happened before or after, and you can just have fun with it. Absolutely. And that's, yeah, as you said, if you were trying to just explain or, or show someone one thing to, show you legends in a nutshell and and the wackiness and silliness and fun that can be had is i think it's this bebo versus malice fight the best part is at the end where bebo explodes and there's there's giant stuffing falling everywhere (laughs) (laughs) it's incredible but uh, moving on from there to 
to number seven on our list. And uh, we mentioned some of the different crossovers and things that we've seen over the years. But as you mentioned, Cal, the first season of Supergirl was very much kind of kept to itself. It was on a different network at the time. It was on CBS. We weren't quite sure what was going on, if, if it was supposed to be in the same universe. Obviously, it had a lot of the same creative team behind it. But finally, we got our answer in Supergirl Season 1, Episode 18, when, in fact, the Flash appeared coming through a portal from another dimension. Uh, and then he goes on to help Supergirl battle uh, Livewire and the Silver Banshee uh, throughout the episode. And uh, just, again, having that confirmation and getting to see the Flash and Supergirl on screen together, they they do a little bit of a race at one point, and, and just seeing those characters kind of cross over uh, it's such a big, important moment, and obviously once once Supergirl came to the CW, starting with the second season, she got to be a little bit more involved, and we got to see some some great crossovers, including a musical episode between Supergirl and The Flash, but uh, this is kind of where it all starts, and where we, again, got another taste of that multiverse, and that, in fact, these characters could, in fact, cross over, even across networks. Uh, yeah, that again, you're opening up the world. You have you have your two main shows on on the CW and then you have this third sort of unknown, like you said, same same cast of uh creators and and producers and directors, but you're not quite sure where it falls uh on the spectrum and then uh you know, you have this crossover and I remember the them hyping up the crossover and um you know, we'll just talk about about Melissa Benoit is a is like a, the perfect casting for Supergirl. She really, plays that yeah. character extremely well. She's such, a, and we talked, you know, I mentioned it before, just a very positive, happy uh, person, and really brings that same spirit. Like, you, if you can't have a Superman show, which maybe we'll have one in the not too distant <laughs> future, maybe we won't, we're not sure. But if you can't have a Superman show, then having a character that is is based on Superman to bring that same idea of hope and positivity and, and light and everything that that super, the S on the chest sort of represents. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That she does an incredible job of doing that. So this bringing those fans of arrow and flash that maybe weren't, hadn't quite crossed over to enjoy, enjoy Supergirl yet, or, you know, understand where she kind of falls in when with, uh, in the universe at large, having that an episode like that, where you can explore that and are introduced to some of those characters and gives greater exposure, which is ironic since it's on a bigger network anyway, but giving it a, a more exposure, it, it kind of opened up the door also for when CBS decided they weren't going to continue uh, with a show on their network to CW to say, okay, well, we'll bring it over here. And, um, you know, because we already know that we've, we have this crossover uh, appeal to the fans that are, are already there. And she's had uh, quite a, quite a nice run since then. Yeah, absolutely. And she's poised, uh, assuming she survives the crisis, which I, I think there's a good chance she will since, uh, her show is still going. Um, I, it's cool. To see her. <laughs> they, they've done a lot of work to sort of establish, uh, her and uh, Ruby Rose's Batwoman is kind of a uh, you know that again t- taking on that same sort of di- dynamic of the the hopeful optimist uh, you know matched together with the, the the sort of the more the darker realist of the group. So uh, we certainly look forward to seeing uh, all of those characters get to interact uh, as we go forward from here. Uh, moving on to something else that was quite incredible and maybe something we didn't ever think we'd see in uh, right back in the first season of Legends of Tomorrow, season one, episode six, 
we saw Sarah, Ray, and some of the other legends travel to the future where they not only met uh, the new Green Arrow, that being Connor Hawk, who in this world was the son of John Diggle, uh, Oliver Queen's right-hand man, but we also, in fact, get to meet an old man, Oliver Queen, who, much like his uh, counterpart in the Dark Knight Returns graphic novel, happened to be missing an arm. Yeah, this is another one of those fan service things that, you, you know, I first of all, Connor Hawk as the as the Green Arrow, he had, you know, a, a short lived run. I would I guess it in the grand scheme of things, most people know and identify uh, the Green Arrow as as Oliver Queen. It's not like a Barry Allen versus Wally West or, you know, Hal Jordan versus Kyle, Kyle Rayner type thing. Uh, right. When it comes to, to what era you were born in or that was established, Connor Hawk really had a very short time in the grand scheme of things as Green Arrow. But having that character brought in and then sort of I don't know, giving you a peek at the future without kind of explaining how they got there and then giving you some some of that, filling in some of the blanks later on with how John Diggle ended up with a son later on um, what was is pretty cool. And having that that tie-in together, that be that character specifically. Um, of course, in the comics, Connor Hawk was Oliver's son. Not yes. uh, so, and of course, there was a storyline that has gone on throughout the the Arrow thread that he had a, had a son uh, with one of his ex girlfriends, and you you're always wondering, well, well is that going to be Connor Hawk, or you know, is he going to grow up to be Arrow at some point? But um, for them to kind of use use John Diggle, who's such an important uh, character in those in, in a lot of those seasons, uh, yeah. but specifically the the two the first two seasons uh, with with Oliver. Oliver working as his pseudo Alfred or his, you know, his, his partner in, in figuring out what this arrow or, or, um, you know, dark archer or whatever, whatever his character was at the time, um, the, the green hood, you know, whatever his, his persona was to have that tied into this character and you see that future. And then on top of it, you have this holy nerd out moment of, Holy crap! We're tying this into and giving you a little bit of, of a taste of the Dark Knight Returns. Just a just just another geek out cool moment. Absolutely, and the, the end of the episode being uh, you know Oliver with a, with a robot arm confronting the son of Deathstroke in the middle of the city. Him and Connor and Sarah, and in fact the rest of the legends sort of show up to save the day with uh, with the Adam and Rip Hunter and Firestorm and and the Hawk, Hawkman and Hawkgirl all showing up to kind of fight off this army of Deathstrokes and and the Green Arrow sort of ultimately, both Green Arrows sort of ultimately get to triumph over, which at least at that point was his greatest foe, and that being Deathstroke, even though it wasn't the same one that we had met earlier in Arrow. It's a, it's just a really great moment, and, and it really, uh, like you said, a lot of fan service and also just a cool concept to get to see a little glimpse of a possible future for the Arrowverse. Absolutely. And moving on to number five, we have another sort of double entry, and that is if we're going to the third season of Arrow. So you mentioned a lot of Batman characters and, and elements were introduced into the Arrowverse, and none may be more blatant than the, the big bad of season three being one, one Rachel Ghoul, who uh, uh, was in fact the, the, the leader of the League of Assassins, which had sort of been referenced in earlier seasons and finally we we get to meet Rachel Ghoul and 
Oliver does what you do. You take off your shirt and you fight him with a sword as as is tradition when you fight Ray Shumble. You should take pride. You survived longer than most. Which obviously was a reference to the to the Neil Adams, uh, Denny O'Neill, uh, you know, Batman and, and Rachel Ghoul comics from the 70s. But uh, at the end of that fight, uh, much to the surprise of, I think, you and I and probably everybody watching, Oliver loses that fight badly. He's stabbed through the through the stomach and pushed off of a mountain. And uh, for all intents and purposes and for several episodes going forward, it appears that Oliver Queen is dead. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was the mid-season finale. Um, correct. Where, where they push him off the cliff, he gets stabbed. So you have several, several weeks, probably six weeks, uh, maybe at least a month, if not six weeks, in between episodes from when they return. So you're sitting there wondering, holy cow, I just saw the star of the show get stabbed and pushed off a cliff. Like <laughs> how on earth is the show going to continue? Like, is this how they're going to end the series? You know, are they, you know, is the series going to be built around Felicity and the other characters now at this right. point or, or what's going to happen? But yeah, yeah, the shock, the way that that ended and, you know, it built up so incredibly well to that mid season finale and the, the intensity and certainly the tension was there. And you're thinking that, all right, well, he has to beat Rachel Ghoul. Like he has to. This has to be the end the end of Rachel Ghoul, but knowing right. that this is only the mid-season finale, so they can't they can't this can't be the end of the the season overarching villain. Like he's going to have the villain has to come back at some point, but for right. them to kind of pull that switcheroo of nope, it's not that the villain gets defeated and comes back and then ultimately gets defeated again. And this looks like that the villain has completely not only bested our hero, he's killed him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and that led through the, the first two episodes, uh, season three, episodes 10 and 11. Oliver Queen uh, is in them very little. We sort of are aware that he's being tended to, that his wounds are being dressed by someone. But uh, we don't really know who. Meanwhile, uh, Roy, Roy Harper, Arsenal, and Laurel Lance, the Black Canary, are sort of trying desperately to hold the city, which is, has just gone gone crazy with the absence of the Green Arrow. And uh, they finally sort of have this giant confrontation in the middle of a city street with, uh, with Arsenal and Diggle and, and the Black Canary and Wildcat and a couple of the other in, uh, incidental characters that have introduced Detective Lance versus this, uh, this character called Brick, who is sort of the, the gang leader who has taken over uh, the glades and just as just when all hope seems lost a a uh, an emerald arrow uh shoots someone and saves arsenal's life and in fact the green arrow returns and it's uh, it's a pretty great moment 
Yeah, yeah, I, I concur. It was a good good return and a good way to bring the character back and uh, certainly led to, to quite an interesting wrap-up for that, that season. And uh, speaking of some great moments, we, we mentioned that this, 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 these series don't uh, shy away from the tear-jerkers, the heart-wrenching moments, and we've got a tie for number four on our list here, Cal. Uh, yeah. The first one being uh, the death of Moira Queen in season two, episode 20 of Arrow, uh, playing off some some of the flashbacks where uh, Oliver's uh, maybe one of his first true loves shadow is is murdered, where Oliver sort of makes a move to save Sarah Lance. And so the, the villain of the island, Dr. Ivo, kills Shadow, who was Slade Wilson's, was also loved by Slade Wilson. And so years later, as Slade is looking to just hurt and damage Oliver in the way he knows how, he asks Oliver to choose who he wants to kill, much like Ivo had done to Oliver years earlier, uh, Oliver's sister, Thea, or his mom, Moira. And Oliver really isn't able to decide, and, and Moira sort of steps forward and, and begs Slade not to, not to harm her children. And in that moment, Slade puts a sword through her chest. And that was the, I mean, how, how much more dastardly can you get than, than killing, killing somebody's mom in front of your two kids, no less. Uh, right. Yeah. Put yourself in that position. Like we, your, your mom. And th- th- this was a character it, it's, it's thinking about it. It's like, this is a character Moira that was established and you're like, well, they're not going to kill her because she's been right. a character that's been on the show for, you know, two and a half seasons almost so now. She's one of the first characters we meet other than Oliver in, in the pilot. Oh, so maybe Oliver will just get out of it scot-free and he'll, you know, fight off Deathstroke with his, you know, with his, his hands tied behind him. And that's not what happens. And, uh, you know, it, it really builds the drama and ups the stakes ultimately uh, for the, the battle between Slade and, and Arrow that, that eventually came to a head later on in the season. Absolutely. And as we mentioned, we have a tie at this at this number four position. And the other one, speaking of of moms and of, of heart wrenching moments, that goes to uh, The Flash, season one, episode 23, the season one finale. It's okay, it's okay, you're okay. Please, my husband, my son are there. They're okay. They're both safe. I promise. Love you, Mom. I love you. 
Barry has sort of all season long been working to find out who this man in the yellow suit is, this reverse flash that he knows killed his mother. It's revealed to be Thawne. Thawne sort of makes a deal with him where if he lets him escape, he'll uh, give him the ability to travel back in time and save his own mother. And he goes back and he's about to change it. And uh, again, this is where the show gets a little complicated, but another version of him from another timeline sort of waves him off and tells him not to do it. And so he doesn't save his mother, but before she, she passes, he, he sort of goes to her and removes his mask. And, and he has this moment where he, he tells her, I'm, 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 it's me, it's Barry. And, uh, I'm going to be okay. Man, um, uh, I watched this one recently, this clip recently, uh, just yeah. sort of as a refresher. And uh, I mean, full disclosure, I'm I'm an emotional guy. I'm not a guy that's afraid to shed a tear and certainly not at a uh, – not afraid to shed a tear at a, uh, at a TV show. But, uh, man, this scene – so so good grant justin uh who plays the flash and um may may be handcuffed in as far as acting range and stuff uh, as the seasons go on i would say okay. uh, maybe some of it has to do with content and uh some of it has to do with storylines and the amount of characters that are on the show and all of that but sure sure uh, this this first season um he and this scene in particular is he he acts incredibly well. It feels like he's actually talking to his mom. Um, I totally believable and sucked me in. Had me had me had me uh, a little bit of a lump in the throat. You know, a little bit yeah. of Ooh, this is uh this is really emotional. Um, and the fact that you have this character that is forced to sit there and he knows that he could do something right there to save his mom to prevent this all from happening, but he lets it happen anyway. And then he goes in and and interacts with her and and has this this moment with her to be able to say goodbye and to tell her that not only that he's okay, um, but his dad is okay too. Uh, Whew, man! (laughs) Maybe maybe one of the best scenes. I mean, that's why it's that's why we're listing it here in our top five. Um, Yeah, best. I mean, again, we we talked about maybe this isn't isn't. 10 to one, this might right. be number one right here as far as yeah. best. It's really I, good. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that any of these top five, certainly if not this whole top 10, any number, any one of these could have been uh, the number one moment, but moving on from there to our number three entry. And that is, it's, it's tough. We've obviously already talked quite a bit about the various crossovers, all the cool characters that have been introduced, the different worlds that have been explored, but kind of all started the first official crossover was in fact uh flash season one episode eight which was in fact called flash versus arrow and uh you know this was a a little bit before batman v superman came out but it certainly seemed to have that same sort of vibe going for it we have a villain that can manipulate emotions that has really done a number on barry's brain and he feels angry and jealous and and oliver is sort of tasked with he doesn't necessarily think he can stop him, but he feels like he has to. He still has to try, and he still has to at least slow Barry down, <laughs> quite literally and figuratively, long enough for uh, for Wells and Cisco to figure out some way to reverse the effects on him. And 
uh, getting, but uh, as we said, all these crossovers are great, but this first one here where, where we get to see uh, Barry and Oliver kind of duke it out and Oliver coming up with creative ways to sort of stay in the fight with, with this character that is, you know, could theoretically kill him in, in the, the time it takes to blink and coming up with a creative way to deal with that in a way that doesn't feel forced or silly um, was I'm sure not easy, but I think they pulled it off here. And like we said, this is, this is the jumping off point for, for everything that would come afterwards. Absolutely. And you always have those questions, the what ifs, you know, whether you start out playing with your action figures as a child and what if this (laughs) superhero had to fight this superhero and, you know, it's a classic nerddom conversation of oh this if this hero went up against this hero he would smash him and like you said in theory you know it it's not even a contest with somebody that that moves faster than the speed of light to be able to find a way to kill you but figuring out ways to make it a fair fight or an even fight between this normal everyday guy that just has some gadgets uh versus a guy that has super speed you know gifted to him uh, as as a metahuman, it's you know it, it sounds like a challenge, but you're right. It it they do it well. This is a is a fun. It's fun too. It's a fun episode. Yes, uh, and, and a lot of fun fun having that first interaction. Like you said, it gives you a peek into what will be uh, certainly the hallmark and and some of the best episodes in the you know what would ultimately be the the tentpole every single season is okay. Well, what are they going to do for the crossover this year? Because you know that there's going to be a crossover event and they started out with this very small crossover and then it's built to what we're experiencing this very week here where you have multiple shows and you're including past, past and present DC TV shows and movies and universes all combined into one. Absolutely. That's a, it's just a great, a great jumping off point for that. And it's just a fun story. So that's yep. it really checks all the boxes in that case. And moving on to number two here, it's another tie. Uh, talk about some of the great climactic battle scenes that we've seen. That's, that's kind of what we build to every season is, yeah, sometimes there's a lot of talking. There's a lot of, you know, if, if you're not, a, if you're not as into the, you know, the sappy stuff, you're also generally guaranteed that you're going to get one or two really epic, awesome superhero battles at the uh, at the end of every season. And the two that really come to mind for for us here at, at number two, first would be the uh, Arrow season two finale, season two episode twenty three, uh, the Arrow versus Deathstroke fight. This is really really well done, and it was a really great usage of the the flashback thing that they use, as we mentioned for those those first few seasons of arrow as we have this uh, we have in real time, we see arrow, uh, you know, the green arrow battling Deathstroke, who has you know, taken this drug that makes him almost invulnerable. And so he's trying to inject him with the cure and then fight him. But he's also sort of struggling with uh, whether or not he should kill Slade uh, once he cures him. And that, and that's that sort of counteracted with this flashback where Slade, when he's first been injected with this crazy drug, is just mopping the floor with with Oliver as they're in the sort of the bowels of the sinking ship. And in the flashback, in when they're on the island, Oliver makes the choice to not to not to cure Slade, and to in fact kill him to drive an arrow right through his eye. And 
in in the moment in the present day oliver instead chooses not to do that again not to try to kill him but to instead inject him with the the cure and arrest him and it's sort of this big moment and sort of what that whole second season of arrow was building to which is uh oliver deciding not to just be a vigilante not to just be an agent of revenge or or anger anymore but to in fact try to be a hero yeah it's it's the perfect and and it's you know we talked about with one of our past moments that this is just three episodes after he witnesses slade kill his mom with a sword in front of him and that arrow character in the first season was a character who killed people he was a character who sought revenge and was you know was a murderer like he was a person that that killed people yeah they were all bad people they were people that were doing terrible awful things but he was that punisher type of character he was that you know he was that that anti-hero so the fact that he we see the transformation and this is like we said after this immediately horrifying event is that he's witnessed that he chooses not to not to do what he did before not to to be the person that he was in that first, you know, one and a half seasons, uh, this dark character, the fact that he chooses to, to be the hero. And of course that's later reflected in, you know, the green that he adds to his costume and the brighter colors and the, um, you know, the, the, you know, being more public in his persona as green arrow and all of that. So really this is the, this is the jumping off point of that change. Like you said, going from vigil straight vigilante to more vigilante hero. Absolutely. And the other entry that is tied with that great final fight is, the fight from the second to last episode of season one of the flash season one, episode 22, where we got not just the flash versus the reverse flash. We got the reverse flash versus the flash arrow and firestorm. The, uh, the Ronnie Raymond version of firestorm, all, all the all, three of our heroes come together to have just an epic battle. We get, not only do we get the speedsters versus each other, but we get to see, firestorm in action we get to see again oliver queen find a way to sort of neutralize uh thawne's speed for a little bit and they get to have kind of a hand-to-hand battle and ultimately they do in fact win and it's because barry didn't try to go it alone instead he called his friends and uh that sort of makes the difference and that was sort of the difference of why he could never stop this man in the yellow suit before but he gets his friends on his side. They have a big, awesome fight. And in fact, they do manage to capture the reverse flash finally. Yeah, two things Two things just to point out from this moment. First of all, the real life moment of uh, Robbie and Stephen Amell being able to be on the same screen. Cousins that you yeah. know are, are both, both actors get to be on the same screen at the same time um, in this, this you know, penultimate episode of the of the flash um where you know robbie robbie was probably uh, his his version of firestorm probably was a little bit uh, underused i would say I, th- I think the next yeah. iteration of of firestorm certainly got to shine more because he was on legends of tomorrow um but you know th- the fact that he gets to use his powers a little bit and and certainly uh, f- for lack of a better term and pun intended shine here as firestorm <laughs> um is 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 neat just for knowing that th- these two guys are actually related in real life but but it also sets up 
you know, further down the line that we're going to have these battles that include multiple heroes and that the heroes are going to join together and they're going to stand together and fight, whether it's this or the uh, later on in crossovers of Earth X or, you know, all the way up through the crisis on Infinite Earth that's happening, you know, this this very week. So, um, you know, having that set up as a template that we're, you know, that we're going to have these battles and sometimes the hero is going to recognize that strength in numbers and we're not afraid to bring in some some these other cast of characters that we've created in this universe. And it's also just like a little bit of logic because there's generally like a moment like once you've introduced let's let's we've talked about the MCU a couple times like once the first Avengers movie happened and then you're watching like Thor 2 and like I don't know a giant alien is destroying the world whatever happens in that movie and you're like <laughs> where's where's the Hulk? Where's Captain right. America right now? Where's Iron Man? And you're just like, well, there. This was just this wasn't important enough. The world is only maybe gonna end, so they didn't bother shooting up for this battle. Right. So just having having him call on some of these other heroes that we know exist in this world, uh, it just it made it work, and it made it it made it feel again just a little bit more of that cohesive unit, and as, as well as being such a cool fight for all the reasons we mentioned. It's also, you know, a little bit of logic can be appreciated in moments like that where they they acknowledge that, yeah, it would make sense for, for Barry to to call in the reserves there for, for that type of battle. Agreed. And that will bring us to our number one choice. Again, like we said, this isn't necessarily the real number one, but it's it's the last one we wanted to talk about. Yep. And uh, it comes from, in fact, Crisis on Infinite Earths Part 1, shared as we mentioned in december of 2019 it's it's sort of all come to this we we knew from basically from the elseworlds crossover on that oliver queen was not making out of this crisis alive and he gave his life in a deal so that supergirl and the flash could live we didn't quite know when he was going to die we didn't quite know how he was going to die but the monitor sort of spells it out in plain English that he was going to be called on to give his life in this crisis. And so we know we know the death's coming, but certainly we're not expecting it in part one of five. And yet there's this incredible moment as these creatures are, are attacking Earth 38, Supergirl's Earth. And they're trying desperately, the heroes are trying to hold off these monsters in order to allow uh, the planet to be evacuated so they could all sort of jump from from their Earth to Earth-1. And uh, all of the characters begin to be teleported away by the Monitor. Superman, Supergirl, Batwoman, the Atom, the Flash. And so it's just Oliver Queen standing there. And the Monitor tells him, it's time. We must retreat and save our resources for battles yet to come.
Yeah. And, yeah. And that to me, and it was one of those things we were watching it. We weren't watching it together, but we were sort of sending messages back and forth to each other that night. And when that moment hits and Oliver Queen faced with certain death chooses that he would rather die saving more lives than save himself. It is, it just so encapsulates to me the, the growth of that character, as we've talked about in a lot of these different parts from where we see Oliver in the pilot, where he's this angry, vicious man who's breaking people's necks and shooting people in the heart with arrows and all the way through to this part one of crisis on infinite earths, where he would rather die, die, if it meant an extra few people could be saved than, than live to fight the villain. He, he chose to, he chose saving the innocent over fighting the guilty. And it's this great, perfect moment that really encapsulates the journey that Oliver Queen went on all the way from Arrow season one, episode one up to now. Yeah. And I mean, the fact that his response, his response is delivered so great you know, this is his chance to be saved to continue this fight. And the monitor, you know, even after the scene, his response is, then it's not time. If they, if not everybody's been evacuated, then it's not time. I'm not going. You know, that's that's how he how he responds. Ultimately, he's overwhelmed. He's killed. The monitor leaves him there. And, you know, the monitor even is sort of confused when he gets back with the other heroes and they're questioning him where, where Ollie is. And they're like, he's like, I, that's not when he was actually supposed to die. I, 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 you know, he's, he's just baffled by it, but you're right. It is the perfect bookend to that character. And of course we know Oliver has since popped up again. He's not, you know, they tried to do the whole Lazarus pit thing where they're going to, you know, raise him. Um, and it looks like he's instead taken on the mantle of the specter, which is oh man, deep cut, deep cut yeah. of, comic nerddom right there um but it looks like he's taken on the you know the mantle of the of the specter and maybe who knows how many more times he'll pop up in the in the crisis you know he's on the poster so we know we know that he'll be he'll be popping up at least a few more times as the specter and who knows going forward what his future might be and popping up in in later portions of, of other series as the specter but um, yeah, the fact that he was willing to sacrifice himself for people he didn't know. It's not even his Earth. Like, that's the funny right. thing. Like, it's not his Earth. He's on a, a, an alien Earth that he doesn't, you know, it doesn't belong to him. And the fact that he was willing to stand there, like you said, fight for the innocent, to give himself up. How can you not, how can you not appreciate that? Man, it just, it's like, yep, that's a moment. That's really, really awesome. And you bookend it with this complete character shift this is the character has grown he's no longer this this monster that he was in the first episode he's completed it to the point where he is dying the ultimate hero's death yeah and as as we see him sort of on on his literal deathbed and he you know he gets to say goodbye to his his daughter who's there and he he tells barry and 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 cara supergirl that you know, they're the best of us that they'll, they can continue the fight because again, going back to what he told Barry in the flash pilot, that you are the very best of us and you can inspire them. You can lead them and you can, you can keep fighting. And that not only does he give his life to save others, but in his death, he continues to inspire the other heroes around him to keep up the fight, to not give up is uh it's really perfect and it's it's really a, a quite incredible way to end 
as you mentioned, maybe not Stephen Amell's ending as a, as a character in this universe, but uh, the end of the Oliver Queen that that we have all known and and watched and and enjoyed for for the past uh, eight years. Yeah, heck heck of a way to end that character's run. Absolutely, and uh, we we certainly didn't want to end this on a downer note, but uh, <laughs> I think it, it we we're seeing this as a celebration, as we said, uh, of this entire universe. Obviously, it will continue in the in the final two parts of Christ on Infinite Earth and beyond. So we, as we mentioned, you know, Flash and, and Supergirl and Batwoman and Legends are all continuing. There's sort of rumors and speculation about some potential pilots that might be coming for even more shows within this universe going forward, which we're certainly excited about if if they come to fruition. But, uh, well, after all, Cal, it's called the Arrowverse. So, That's right. Uh, and w- we couldn't end, we couldn't think of a better way to end this list than by paying tribute to the the great journey that the character of Oliver Queen went on throughout all these shows and the crossovers all the way sort of culminating in that final moment. Absolutely. Yep. Again, you, the, it's one of those things where as, as sad as maybe we are to see Stephen Amell's uh, Oliver Queen leave, at least leave as a, as a regular character, it is, it, there's always that little, there's always that ray of sunshine coming through that, you know, Black Lightning still going strong. Batwoman has been renewed for a second season. Supergirl is uh, just about to, or I believe has already filmed their hundredth episode. So again, from a show that was seemingly going to be canceled after one season on CBS to make it all the way a hundred episodes. Awesome. Absolutely. All right. Well, that will bring us to the end of this bonus episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And certainly, we would love to hear your feedback, not only on this episode. Let us know what you thought of the crisis. Let us know uh, what you thought about Oliver's sacrificial death. What moments did we miss on this list? Again, it's not a comprehensive list. It's just kind of things that we moments. A lot of shows out there, obviously, in this Arrowverse. A lot of episodes across each and every series so we definitely miss some send some of your favorite moments to us you can do so on twitter liam runs our twitter page does an amazing job over there that's at dcau review of course you can also check out dcaureview.com that's where our new episodes every saturday at 10 9 central Yes, absolutely, uh, are posted. You can stream them there. You can also follow us or uh, subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app, Apple, Google, and uh, Spotify. All those podcast apps, go find it, subscribe to it, like it, leave us a review if that's an option. That helps us a lot as well. And then uh, don't forget to tune in. Who knows what our next bonus episode will be about. Uh, we're excited to throw these out there every one, once in a while when these uh, exciting events come along. So uh, if you have some ideas for a bonus episode, shoot us a tweet and follow us on Instagram. We're at DCAU Review. We have some cool stuff that happens on there. We'll post some throwback Thursday episodes to past episodes and always post previews and clips of upcoming episodes thanks for listening be sure to come back this saturday for our regular episode where we're smack dab in the middle of january reviewing batman beyond which is always a treat to to review so definitely come back for our regular episodes and thanks for listening well that will do it for this episode i'm cal and i'm liam and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the dcau review bye-bye my name is oliver queen after five years in the house, I returned home with only one goal, to save my city. But my old approach wasn't enough. 
I had to become someone else. I had to become something else. I had to become the Green Arrow. 